Welcome to Leap Listens, the employer branding podcast. I'm Sarah and I'm joined by my co-host Roger. Hello. Leap Listens is brought to you by Leap Create, a dynamic people communications agency. Chris Woods is regional recruitment marketing and IND lead at Mars, responsible for ideating and executing targeted recruitment marketing to help Mars attract and hire new talent across Europe, the Middle East, India and Africa. With over five years experience in employer reputation and recruitment marketing, Chris is passionate about harnessing the voice of employees across the world to tell stories and amplifying those stories across social, digital and out-of-home marketing to attract the world's best talent to an organisation. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here with you. It's Uh great to have you. Fantastic. So Chris, tell us about you and your career in employer branding. Yes. So I absolutely love employer branding. I've been in the space probably about five years now. So my current role is I lead recruitment marketing and IND for the region in Mars. So that covers Europe, India, Middle East and South Africa. Um, So I get the joy of kind of ideating and curating campaigns that help us attract talent across a breadth of roles at Mars. Previously, I've led on employer optation for our UK, Ireland and Dutch markets as well. So lots of breadth and scope in, in the work I've done previously as well. Fantastic. The title of this podcast is is it's focused around user-generated content. So what would you say are the key benefits of incorporating user-generated content into recruitment and talent acquisition strategies? Yeah, I think this one's really important. One of the, the, the key elements for me and, and what I always say to, I guess, people that I'm I'm working with is my job is not to tell stories. My job is to amplify your story. So the what we call associates, employees, all have amazing stories. They all have really authentic and, I guess, honest and kind of emotional stories as to why they work for Mars um, or you know, what it is that really benefits them about our culture or our ways of working. Um, and that to an audience is what people want to hear. So there's so many stats flying around, but you're essentially 16 times more likely to read and engage with a post from a friend about a brand than the same post from the brand itself. So that's such a powerful way of engaging with people. Um, and it just tells a, a really genuine story. And I think that's so valuable. Mm. That's great. So what are the key benefits, would you say, of incorporating user-generated content into recruitment and talent acquisition strategies? Yeah, so the the key one for me and, and always the number one is just the scale and size that you can you can reach. So you might have a brand page on LinkedIn that, you know, any given post might reach 10,000 people, say. With your employees, that post can reach so many more people in a far more authentic and engaging way. And so you're just going to just completely attract completely new groups of talent. Um, and I think that one's such a, a huge one for me. Being really transparent, cost is always a great one. So, you know, the, the way I always look at it is if I were to get the post that gets 10,000 engagements, say, or 10,000 impressions, that might cost me to get that to 100,000 impressions. That might cost me hundreds of pounds in paid media. But by working for employee-generated content and really building and working with them to share that content, that engagement comes to us for free. And again, it's always more authentic and it's always more engaged with. So it's the, the value there is is huge. I know from from my perspective, I'm always so much more likely to engage with someone's content when I see it rather than 
um, you know, if I see a brand do the same thing, mm. you know, influencer marketing, that's essentially what it is. We're just, we're turning our associates or employees into influencers um, for a, a far more authentic story than if we were to share it ourselves. Yeah, I'm, re- I'm really interested by this. And I will get to um, a question, but I will sort of ramble a bit first because I feel like user-generated content falls into various different buckets. So you've got stuff which is kind of sanctioned by the organization and it's like we want you to create this content and i suppose there is a question of like when's it user generated content and when it's when is it something that you've been asked to do that's just filmed but then i think you've also got a whole load of user generated content that can be created that's unsanctioned and that could be positive or negative about your brand so for instance we um, remember doing some work once for Disney Cruise Line. And in my research, I found that there were a whole load of YouTube videos about people who worked for Disney Cruise Line that were essentially like blogs about what it's like to work there, good and and bad. And I see that as user-generated um, content too. So there's a load of stuff if you're a big brand that probably exists out there about your brand, whether you have sanctioned it or not. So my question <laughs> is, uh, is where, do you, where do you recommend people start with this stuff? Yeah, I think, so I've always got, for me, I, I love the power of three. So I was talking about kind of three pillars, I guess, of, of where you start, because you're absolutely right. Today's day and age with, with TikTok, there is so much content. I was scrolling through TikTok uh, a couple of months ago, and I, I came across someone talking about a day in the life at Mars, and no one had asked them to create that. And it's the same, ex- exactly the same with YouTube. So the first one for me is find out who they are especially if they're telling that positive story for obvious reasons. So know the employees that know and love your organization and leverage that existing brand, because it's like we always say with employer brand in general, everyone has an employer brand. You just need to own that rhetoric, essentially. So if you can really push and amplify the voices that are already talking about your brand positively and what it's like to work at your company, that's kind of half the work done because that will trickle down. They will help other people see what is okay to talk about, what engages as well, because one of the big things is people want naturally, you know, we live in a dopamine filled world. People want to have posts which perform really well. And I think one of the big drawbacks to people creating content is they're scared that it will just get no likes or, or something like that. Second one is make that process really clear, easy and fun. No one likes to do something when it's like really process driven. You've got to go through tons of layers of approval or it's a really boring system to to create that content. So if you can give them platforms that create that really easily and it makes it really fun for them to do, that's always a great one. And my absolute number one top tip for this and the thing which, which I, it, it's almost becoming a, a kind of mantra of mine, really, is curate, not create. So not all employee-generated content needs to be this lovely blog form and shiny. It needs to be honest. It needs to be authentic. So give them examples of copy. Give them kind of uh, templates of assets which they can share or personal brand training on LinkedIn and things like that. But always stop short of telling them what to post. I think that's the number one because then it you don't get that authentic. And the worst thing is if you tell people, if you have this one mm. kind of campaign, which you're then telling people to post the exact same thing, you're just going to see the same content hundreds of times. And you know then it's written by a copywriter 
or it's written by one person and shared or yeah. it's written by your public affairs team and it's not the authentic it's what you want people to hear and that's the big thing with employee generated content is we all now know because we're served just unbelievable I mean, we'd scroll something like the the height of big ben in content every every day i've read that stat so i'm don't quote me on that exactly but i i've heard the empire state building so uh well there we go so we're, we're getting we're getting bigger like it'll be Burj Khalifa at some point and so people now know what is written for someone and what's not most people can now spot that i think if i put in front of you two posts one really authentic one and one that was written by public affairs or a copywriter you're probably going to be able to spot which one's which and that's the key your audience can do that as well hmm. so i suppose from that point of view user-generated content to sponsor a more, for want of a better word, slick campaign? Because there's still a place, isn't there, for that type of advertising. But I guess what you're wanting to do is for user-generated content to support those narratives, but in a very authentic way. Yeah, exactly. I mean, my job is built around using more traditional marketing methods to attract talent. So I might have a campaign which we're pushing out, you know, this really slick, lovely video content on social. We have a full digital campaign with programmatic ads. If you're doing campaigns without employee generated content, you're missing a trip because they're amplifying that voice. So even if they're sharing, if you've shared something on social and they're sharing that, but giving their own kind of key view as to what that's like. So if you're doing a campaign to attract diversity, and you've got diverse talent within your business telling people exactly what it's like to work in your business. That is free additional media. It's such a great way of expanding your reach in a genuinely authentic way. I feel like I've said authentic about 10 times. It gets mentioned a few times on yeah. the podcast, but it's an important word. It is. I think I genuinely think that's the buzzword, especially as we move into a world as well where copywriting is so readily available with things like chat gpt your brand tone of voice and a humanistic way of talking is so so important so i think authenticity is like the the keyword of, of the 2020s so far yeah agree and i think every podcast that we've done and we're sort of nearing 50 now that everyone said that word haven't they mm. the authenticity podcast i am at the and un- 50 sarah's just nearing 50. <laughs> yeah. oh you talk about the the number of episodes <laughs> sorry yeah thanks roger that's all right so chris have you got any good examples of campaigns or companies that you've seen or anything that you've done yourself that you can share with us in terms of success stories around user-generated content yeah i think i'll start with an example that we've done one of I think the single best assets I've ever created was a, a an I'm joining Mars GIF. So it was, I don't want to say the price, but it was very cheap to create. It was such a simple idea and it's just a GIF flashing up the words I'm joining Mars with, with some of our key consumer brands. We sent that out to all new starters. I think it was, you know, attached to the email they got their contract on. And we said that no pressure at all, but if you do want to share your excitement about joining Mars, is this gift you can share. Um, and I mean, it took me forever and I wish we, we had a platform we could see the impressions on it, but I scrolled through all of the mentions Mars had in 2021, um, including that gift. And there were over a hundred thousand reactions on that content. So if you go by an engagement rate of kind of three or 4%, my math isn't good enough to work out what, what that impressions would be, but it's in the millions. 
Um, and that such, you just to get that kind of reach would have cost thousands essentially. Um, and it wouldn't have been as there's the word again, authentic. Um, one thing I've seen other brands do, you mentioned, um, like Disney cruises there really leveraging TikTok because that's such a powerful area. So, um, I've seen loads of brands do like TikTok competitions. Um, so like content creator competitions where they say, you know, we'll send an Amazon gift card for 50 quid or whatever to whoever gets the most mm. likes or something on or, or views on a TikTok you do about working at an organization, not telling them what to post, letting them kind of go free again, freedom within the framework. So kind of saying, don't do this stuff and try and avoid like drinking in the post or, or something like that or, or swearing. Um, but outside mm. of that framework, mm. you've kind of got complete carte blanche because there are some amazingly creative people who aren't in creative roles who you would never think would on the cuff be able to pull something like that off. But yeah. TikTok suits so many trends on it. We did one that was, um, for our grad campaign. And I set a challenge to, to some of our grads to be able to pull this content. And it was like a this or that, um, video. And they did this amazing this or that about, um, it was like pick a Mars bar or a Snickers bar, pick dogs or cats, pick Dolmio or Ben's original. And then the end was who offers the best opportunities for graduates. And it was Mars or other companies. And for me to come up with that, or even for an agency to come up with that, you know, there would have been so many rounds of briefs and, and approvals and refinements that it, and that happened. And we had that content, I think within an hour and that would just never happen. And so it's. No, <laughs> no, no, that's, that's crazy. And also like really good engagement from yeah. employees, isn't it? Cause it, it tells you that they're prepared to to engage and and you know it's it's cool isn't it it's like being trusted with something that's the other thing yeah. exactly so something else you can do that i'm a i'm a massive fan of is like instagram takeovers so we'll give certain groups of talent our instagram um so if you go on on the mars.uk instagram you can see in our highlighted stories there's loads of that's a little bit of a shameless plug there but there's loads of um kind of individual highlighted stories about where we've given our Instagram stories to an apprentice for the week or, um, you know, someone in field sales to be able to share their journey. And again, freedom and the framework. So we'll brief them on kind of what to do, what to say generally, um, and give them some ideas, but it's up to them. And we're not, you know, we're not approving it before it goes live. It goes live. There's someone from, you know, community management watching it to make sure there's nothing mm. too damaging there. But most people yeah. want to do well for your brand. And so giving them trust, I think, is is a number one thing to do. Um, just a quick question on that. How do you get sign off from sort of more of the senior <laughs> leaders in the business for something like that? Because I would imagine, you know, if you said, right, we're going to give our Instagrams, you know, um, stories over to the grads. Um, and I'm sure there's a few, is, or is that a good yeah. idea? Yeah, there's definitely nerves. And I think, so the, the way you can always first pitch it, and, and I think oh, it's been years since we, we first did it, but I think the way we first pitched it is we essentially let our, our grad in this example go away and do a week's worth of content and just download and save those stories and viewed them. And then we had this controlled, in inverted commas, 
campaign ready to go, which we could put up live, we knew was brand safe, but we were able to then show that as an example to senior leaders. And then also creating that kind of almost a framework document again, saying, here's what you could do. Please don't talk about this kind of stuff. If you've got any questions, reach out to this person, alleviating it and understanding any fears those stakeholders have to start. Um, and don't get me wrong, not every business is going to be happy with that. I completely get that pharma, banking, financial services, you know, they're heavily regulated businesses mm. and so have a lot of need to control the content before it goes out. But even then, like you can do it. So you give them the Instagram, you give them the stories and just say, please save that and we'll upload them and add stickers and polls and quotes and stuff like that. Um, the downside of, of doing like that is you don't like, get that live engagement. So a Q and A, you can ask, you know, question box in the Instagram, give them 20 minutes and then say, yeah, we're going to, you know, we're going to answer those questions. But I think just breaking it down step by step, you don't need to go in this massive big bang full Instagram story to start, but being able to deliver something small and then progress over perfection, I think is, is key in this game as well. Um, is being able to to say right we'll start here and let's do these things one percent better rather than saying let's get to 100 percent before we launch the campaign yeah so um there was a couple of things there i mean i find this stuff really fascinating but one of them was about you mentioned the sort of potential blockers being just senior level stakeholders who have a nervousness about this type of content are there any other blockers that you've encountered to producing um ugc yeah, I think when you kind of look, there's always kind of always broken this down into four key pieces or four key blockers. Number one, and it's all, it's always the, the same thing I hear is time. So everyone has their own full busy day job. They've got a busy life outside. How do you take the time to create a TikTok or write a LinkedIn post or anything like that? Second one is we've touched it, not knowing whether that, whether that content's brand friendly. So for Mars, we're a privately owned business. Um, historically, we've been quite secretive um, because of the fact that we're privately owned and, and we don't have to share a lot of that kind of data and, and um, key points. So it's about unlocking their fear there. Third one is about not realizing how impactful that content can be. So it's about education. Um, so a lot of people think, oh, just one bit of content that gets 30 likes, how's that going to impact your brand strategy? And then the final one linked to that, um, and I, I mentioned it, we all live in this dopamine-packed world where you get those pings of like Instagram likes and things. If you've not seen engagement on that previous content, you just think, oh, like, is this doing anything for my personal brand? Mm -hmm. And again, linked link to above, is it actually impacting the business or am I just wasting my time? So it kind of all of those kind of merge into one, but time is by far the one I see most. Mm. Yeah, no, that is really interesting. And you, you touched on a couple of industries that you think maybe this sort of content might be a little bit more problematic because of the nature of those industries. Are there any specific industries that you think would really benefit from utilizing user-generated content that perhaps currently you're not seeing? Yeah, so I think when you look at industries that have very, very customer-facing employees because that then you you see it from a um the most technical term possible double whammy because you're getting the side of it which is kind of general 
brand content for your business, especially if you're a smaller brand and potentially someone that's looking after employer reputation or employer brand as well as broader marketing. And, and that's all sits under one team. So you've got, you know, things like retail, anything like that, where your employees are regularly interacting. One thing I've seen a lot of, which I really like from both those aspects, and it's less on the employer generated content for hiring and more in terms of just general marketing is M&S seems that they seem to give the freedom to their stores to have TikTok accounts. And so I, I'm always seeing kind of really, and I think Waitrose do it as well. Um, I'm always seeing like you know, M&S mm. London um, with their store and they're doing that, that kind of funny on-trend content. So specifically with TikTok, trends pass so quickly. So mm. if you're waiting to go to your head office to get approval for this trend. The moment's gone. Yeah. Yeah. No one wants to see it beyond that point. So giving them that freedom there and the trust is so good. So I think that one's a, a great one. And equally yeah. then to why it works for Mars is, you know, we're a, so it's businesses that have quite a lot of businesses under that umbrella. So for Mars, we've got Mars snacking. So Mars Wrigley chocolate and everything like that we've got mars pet care we've got mars food we've got mars vet health and they all come under the one umbrella of mars but quite a lot of people won't link the same company between a mars bar and pedigree and so for us that's really valuable because you can then start to see all of that content come together and someone working on some of our mm. really big consumer brands and then you go oh pedigree is owned by mars and then so similarly, any other company that owns tons of different businesses as a really disjointed employer brand, that's a really valuable place because you can get people to talk about your story and start to link your brands and, and your businesses together for you. No, there's some really, really good advice in there. And Chris, and I think also you've um, made me pause to think about me not posting that video of me flossing as a cool and trendy hip <laughs> new trend that I've just discovered. Um, yeah, I'd avoid that I think it sounds like that moment passed. Yeah. So one final question that we like to ask all our guests is, are, are there any top reads or listens that you're currently reading or listening to? And it doesn't have to be related to this whole world of employer brand. It can kind of be anything, just anything that you'd recommend or think people would like to hear about. Yeah. So one I'm reading at the moment is, um, I have to check the name of it. It's a very easy name, but I just had to check I was right. The Diary of a CEO by Stephen Bartlett. I thought I had a slightly mm -hmm. yes. swankier title by that. And the reason I really like that is because it's, he, he breaks down, I think it's into to kind of four or five different sections around communication style, storytelling, personal brand building, boundary setting. And I think those are all really relevant from a, just general career perspective, but then you've got pieces in there talking about storytelling, personal brand, which is so relevant from employer reputation. Yeah, I don't want to go too much into into that part of it, but so I think that's a that's an excellent one to to go away and read or listen to if if you're a bit like me and definitely, oh, yeah, totally agree. I have I don't actually read any books anymore. I only I only listen to them, and I have listened to that. It was fantastic, and and one of those sort of things where you. Yeah, as as you said, someone who's young, showing such sort of wisdom and who's done it as well. So it's not just kind of porting on someone else's story. It's like he's actually done this stuff himself and really understands. Yeah. Thank you so much, Chris, for your time. It's been really good talking to you. And I know there's lots of great 
insight there um, for our listeners yeah. to take away. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It was a, a pleasure to be here. Brilliant. Fantastic. Thanks for listening. For more expert insights, check out our other bite-sized episodes, perfect for micro learners and those with a short attention span, just like me. And if you're in employer branding and recruitment marketing, you might be interested in our monthly EB meetups. Just search EB Meetup on LinkedIn and join our community. For anything else, contact us via leapcreate.co.uk. See you next time.